Where do you go for the most important conversations in applied behavior analysis? The podcast is your source for insightful content, debate, and insights in the ABA field. Whatever your role, RBT, BCBA, C-suite, family member, or advocate, we'll get you to the heart of the meaningful issues in autism. Podcast is proudly hosted by the Council for Autism Service Providers. We are your hosts, Nagarito, Judith Urcity, Hallie Respondic, Nitesh Kumar, and Jonathan Mueller, and this is our podcast. Na, kick us off. Who are you? Hi, this is Na Garrido. I am the CEO and founder of GABS, Galena Autism and Behavioral Services, and GABS Academy. Who am I? I am a 36-year-old. I'm a mom of three kids, a two-year-old boy called Ziggy. His name is Zakai. We call him Ziggy. And a five-year-old boy called Daniel, and a six-year-old girl called Yesenia. We call her Nia. I got into the ABA field by chance. I was driving one day from work as a drug and alcohol therapist and realized that tackling problems when it's too late and felt like I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and needed to deal with kids in the pediatric phase. I've always wanted to be a pediatrician growing up till I spent a summer with my aunt, who is a pediatrician, and realized it's not fun enough for me. Too much blood and sick kids. <laughs> Little did I know I'll be dealing with snots all day too, which is cuter, I think. So I was driving and so, and I was praying and asking God what the next step should be. What should I do for grad school? And right when I finished the prayer, I was passing the sign for St. Joseph's University and just thought, oh, this is where I should go. And I took a turn, went to the first office that was open, and it happened to be the criminal justice department. So I sat down and the receptionist said, how can we help you? And I asked, what programs do you have? And she told me, oh, we have this new program called ABA. Never heard of it, never knew what ABA meant. Um, So I started asking questions, and the more I learned, the more I fell in love, and I could not be more certain that that was my calling in life. And that's what started my journey into ABA. I do have two cousins who are on the spectrum. And once I started learning and understanding the science of ABA, it just made everything click even more and grew my passion even more and more from there. So I started grad school. I graduated. I did my internship. Somehow in my church, I became known as the person to call when your child needs potty training or when the pastor's child can't sleep. So started helping people at church and the calls just kept coming. So at that point I was commuting to Jersey from Pennsylvania and I'll commute each way for work. And I was pregnant with my first child. This was about seven years ago. Um, so I decided to take the dive and went in two feet and started my own ABA business. It's like having a baby. It was fun and painful and there are good times and bad times and there are sleepless nights and there are a lot of messy, not fun stuff sometimes, but um, I love every step of the journey and could not feel more at peace in my heart and could not feel more grateful for finding my passion in life and my calling in life. So that's who I am. I'm also from Ghana, West Africa. I was born and raised there till I was 15. So I'm an immigrant and a black woman and a mom and a business owner. And I bring all of those things into, into my world and love it. And I'd say you're a doer too, Nah, You get stuff done. 
Oh, thank you. I try. <laughs> I have a lot of good people around me that help make things happen, like all of you. Can you talk a little bit about GABS, like what you guys do there? Yes. So we treat children from 18 months to 18 years on the spectrum. I also do specialize in selective mutism and have successfully treated a few kids using ABA principles to come out of selective mutism. We do a lot of the pediatric stuff with verbal behavior, potty training, sleeping, feeding. I tend to end up with some of the severe kids in, in the county, and um, we've been very successful in treating um, on the education side of, our biz, of my business, GAPS Academy. We've successfully treated some of the most difficult students in Bucks County. Most of my students are kids who have been unsuccessful in all the ABA schools or in the school districts or in private schools and um, have been homeschooled till they got into my program. And I'd love to say I have some of the amazing, most amazing people on my staff. And I've been blessed with having a lot of good people come through who have helped these kids and they're all thriving and making a lot of success. A lot of times when we ask my staff during state interviews or exit interviews what keeps them at GAPS, I hear time and time again that they see the progress their kid is making and that's what makes them love the field and want to continue either getting their master's degree or continue to pursue the field. So I feel very proud about that. We do a ton of training and I really believe in that and ongoing mentorship. Nah, can we back up a little bit to when you were a drug and alcohol therapist and you were sharing a story earlier about the kinds of people you worked with in prison and how their environment shaped them? Yes, so I was in a program that it's almost like community kind of prison. So a lot of my patients and clients were some of the biggest drug dealers in the Philly area who have been in jail for 8, 10, 15 years and they have to complete my program to be able to get approved for parole. So my program was a condition for them getting their parole approval. So as a drug and alcohol therapist, which I did out of college, um, started out in, as a, on the ACT team and then as a drug and alcohol therapist, I came across a lot of very brilliant men. All my clients were male in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and some have been in jail pretty much their whole adult life. I asked several of them when they felt like something went wrong. And time and time again, I hear, oh, my teacher said I was stupid in first grade, or I just couldn't read in third grade, so I stopped going to school. And there was a lot of dropout issues there. And yet, I see this gentleman sitting across from me, and they're some of the smartest people I've ever met. Smart with business, smart with numbers, smart with just intellectually so attuned to what's going on in the world. And I just felt like something was missed. So I just like go through some of the just casual assessments of dyslexia. So something as simple as, hey, can you help me read this quick? I don't think my glasses are working properly. And very quickly realized that nine out of 10 of my clients were dyslexic. And to think of such a big diagnosis that's so treatable getting missed at an early age causing this man to drop out of school and then get into the pipeline of drugs and then get into the prison system. I remember very clearly like the most impactful time as a therapist was I typically like bake or bring a cupcake for every birthday and I'll make enough for the group. Um, before we start our sessions, we'll sing and kind of make a big deal for birthdays. This like 
really tall, six, five guy walks in and we all started singing for his birthday. He was in his late 50s at that point and he started crying. And again, this is one of the biggest drug dealers in Philly back in his days and he broke down crying and I thought I did something wrong. So I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm sorry, what, what's wrong? And he told me this is his first birthday outside of jail since he was 13. And that just broke me and made me realize that something has to be done early on. That's why I'm such a strong believer in early intervention. It's so impactful and makes a difference. We cannot forget the adults. We cannot forget kids as they continue to grow. I believe if we can start early, we all have a better shot in life. Totally. And then, Na, how did you join CASP? <laughs> so, um, Laurie has a lot of credit to do with that, as I'm sure she does for a lot of us. So back in 2020, the whole pandemic was happening and I was in the thick of it as a small business, trying to think like, is my business done? Am I even ever going to be able to ever run a clinic again? And then George Floyd happened and just as a mom with two black sons, that's always like a thing that weighs on me because they're half Hispanic also on their dad's side and Ghanaian. So I have mixed kids and I always think about the day when they're old enough and driving and what that would look like for them. Are they going to get stopped? And all the stories that my friends who are black men share with me, of course, as a mom, always sits on me and I try to raise my boys to be respectful and but to also speak up for themselves and advocate for themselves. So Judge Floyd happened, we talked to them about it, we explained what it meant, and that, yes, they are good people, and they are people who make mistakes, and they are people who, have, who do not have good intentions, but that we are all redeemable. But when you see something wrong, and this is something I teach all my kids, and I try to impact on the kids that I work with in therapy, when you see something wrong, do something about it. At least say something about it. If you see somebody in pain, don't ignore it. Step in and if nothing else, ask, are you okay? So we did share with them about George Floyd and what's happening. And the emails started coming in from Nike and from Wawa. Everybody was emailing how they stand with the black community. And it just so happened that it was a day that I was really stressed out from trying to figure out COVID stuff. And Cass sent an email about their commitment to DEI and the George Floyd situation. So I literally remembered I had so much to do and I like closed my window and opened a new tab and started typing an email. I didn't know who was, who was gonna read that email. I did not know at that point that Laurie was part of CASP um, yet. So I typed a long response asking um, that I appreciate the commitment to the black community, but I found that there's a lot of lip service also involved in that. And I'm at a point where I'd love to see all the communities around us taking action. So I asked in the email, let's look at the first thing. Let's look at the board. Who is the cast board? What is the DI commitment on the board? Because it will show there, right? So what have the board done to make sure that DI really is a part of the conversation at CASP? It was a very long email and it expressed a lot of frustration. Not necessarily that was anybody's fault, but just what I was feeling in the moment. To Laurie's credit, she reached out to me immediately. I believe it was the same day and said, wow, not, is it okay if I share this email with the board or that she shared it with them? And she agrees with everything I said and that they've had several conversations as a board for years about how to increase diversity in CASP and that my email 
move them to want to make changes. So within that same email, Danny from SAC also reached out to me and asked if I would join the membership committee. And that's how I became part of CASP. And I've loved it. It's been one of the most fulfilling, most impactful work I've done. I'm around so many brilliant, awesome people. I mean, we have Laurie, we have Judith, we have Mike, we have Jane. I can go on and on. Danny, Joanne, Brian, all these people are some of the most amazing people in the field who have done so much good and done so much to move the field forward and to really focus on providers and quality outcomes. So the mission of CAST definitely aligned with my mission in life. And I, I could not be part of a better group. I've made a lot of amazing lifelong friends. My podcast family being one of them. 